We are starting a new series today, just a short series about finding your spiritual balance, especially when it comes to how you spend your time, how you use your talent, and what you spend your treasure on. Today we're going to talk about how can we spend our time growing. So let's pray and we'll get into the Word. Father, we come before you, as always, just so thankful that you gave the word to us, that you gave it to us so that we might understand who you are, understand how we need to live within your kingdom, and we recognize that it speaks to every situation, every possible thing that may be going on in our life. Maybe it's not always directly, uh, but there is something there that will help us uh, every, every day and every season, and so we thank you so much for your word. Today, as we Open your word as we talk about how we need to spend our time, and especially in this area of growth. Will you help us to fully understand what your word says? Will you speak through me, Lord, that these might be your words uh, so that we can truly hear from you this morning? And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So FedEx, or as it used to be known, Federal Express, is a global company that first cornered the market on air freight back in the 1970s. So before Amazon was even a thought, FedEx was delivering packages even faster than the typical two-day shipping that you have with Amazon today. But 100 years before Federal Express, there was another shipping company delivering mail in record-setting time, and that private express company was known as the Pony Express. And the Pony Express delivered mail through kind of a, an organized relay of horseback riders. And so the far eastern end was in St. Joseph's, Missouri, and then the far western end was in Sacramento, California. And the cost to send a letter by Pony Express at that time, in, in the late to mid-1800s, was $2.50 an ounce. That is a 25,000% markup from the regular mail. And I did not say that wrong. 25,000% markup. But if you wanted a letter to get from California to Missouri a lot quicker, then you could pay the price and send it through the Pony Express. Now, depending on whether the horses, uh, that letter could make it that 2,000-mile trip in about 10 days. The Pony Express, though, was only around for 18 months because as soon as there was a line, a telegraph line from one city to the other, you didn't need the Pony Express anymore. Being a rider for the Pony Express was an incredibly tough job. First off, you could not weigh more than 125 pounds. It's going to be hard enough for some of us right there. But there, there were also stations along the route about every 10 to 15 miles where you had to switch to a fresh horse and keep moving down the trail. You rode day and night. You only stopped to change your clothes about every 75 to 100 miles. And besides the mail, all you carried was a little bit of food and a medical pack. And it said that to increase their mobility in case there was an attack, they would also wear short sleeves even during the winter months. Now, you may wonder, how in the world did they ever get people to actually sign up for this particular job? Well, it paid more than double what a skilled laborer could make at this same time period. Uh, this is an 1860s San Francisco uh, newspaper. 
uh, that put out an ad for the Pony Express. Says, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders, willing to risk daily, orphans preferred. (laughs) Just that phrase alone. (laughs) That's not happening today. You, You cannot... You can add advertise anything in that way today. But even with the risk and even with the strict qualifications, they actually never had a shortage of riders. Now, that's just the facts about what it takes to serve and work for the Pony Express. We need to be honest about the facts of choosing to be a servant of God. Just like the Pony Express, serving God is not for those who are just casually interested. That's not the way this works. It will almost assuredly cost you something to follow God because he asks for your life. He asks you to serve him and make him a priority, not some afterthought. He's not interested in your leftovers. He wants the first fruits. And we have to be honest about what he asks from us when it comes to following him, because it is a high calling to follow the Lord and to be part of the kingdom. This is not a short-term responsibility. This is a long-term kingdom. It's going to last a whole lot longer than the Pony Express, because his kingdom will never end. And the Lord's desire is that we learn to spend time on the things of God so that we can flourish in the kingdom of God. So 2 Corinthians 13, excuse me, 3, 18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image We want to grow to become more like our Lord, more like Jesus, and that starts first with how you use your time. How can we spend time growing? Because most of us, we live incredibly busy lives, and time is one of the most precious resources that we have. And the majority of us, we're not spending our time on necessarily sinful things, they're, they're really neither good or bad. They're just the things that we have to do in order to provide for our family and to some degree just survive. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, the best thing about the future is that it comes one day at a time. If God's desire is for us to redeem our time and use it to grow closer to him, then we simply need to take these steps of growth one day at a time. So the question remains, how can we spend time growing? What would those steps of growth look like? Scripture, thankfully, gives us some insights into how we ought to spend our time growing. The first step is you need to crave growth. We ought to crave growth just like we crave food. When you have a craving for ice cream, there's typically two things you do. You either go get some ice cream or you spend the rest of the night wishing you had. Right? That... That's what a craving is, right? That, that's, just, that's just a fact. My, my oldest son over here, he's, he's 15. He craves cheeseburgers every three hours. It's, that's a fact. It, you, you ladies who, who are pregnant or have been pregnant, you know you get these cravings. Sometimes they're odd. The, the, the concoction of the food mixtures that you want. But you typically 
go and get that kind of food, or you send your husband to go get it. We need to crave spiritual growth just like we crave those things. For us to spend time growing in Christ, we need to learn how do we, how do we learn to crave that growth, to desire to know him more and to have a true experience with the Lord. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says it like this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have a taste of the Lord's kindness. So you could develop a craving for that pure spiritual milk, just like we develop cravings for food. We can have this, this desire for growth. And typically, this, this craving, this learning to crave growth happens in two ways. First, you need to figure out what method of growth do you enjoy? Do you like to read? If you're a reader, that's simple. You pick up the Word and read the Word. Pick up a Christian book that is written about the Word. Maybe, maybe you're, you don't enjoy reading. Well, the Bible app will read it to you. You can literally put, it, put earbuds in and you can listen to the Word or listen to a Christian podcast or listen to some reputable speakers preach. Uh, the, the college that I went to, Ozark Christian College, they have a great YouTube channel. It's also on their website, but their YouTube channel has this section called Next Level. And it is all about spiritual growth. And it's just videos by their professors helping you grow. Watch some of those. Watch a series of those. Join a class. There's a whole section out here. Go join a class. Join a small group and crave that growth. Utilize all the tools that you have at your disposal to grow. Now, the other way you can develop this craving, you take it a little step further, and as you have seasons in life and situations in life, utilize the word in how you go about dealing with those situations. So I'll give you an example. Maybe you are, you're in a place right now where you feel like you've let somebody down. Uh, maybe you've done something to somebody. Maybe, maybe you feel shame, maybe you feel guilt, maybe you feel like you've let God down in some way. If that were the case, then you need to read Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was written by David. It's a psalm of repentance. If you're in that place, you need to crave Psalm 51. Maybe you're in a season of waiting. I don't know what you could be waiting for, maybe a job. Maybe you're waiting on a diagnosis. Maybe you're waiting on too many red lights down powers. I don't know. Whatever you're waiting for. If you're, if you're in this season of waiting, you ought to crave Psalm 130. Because that is a psalm about learning to wait for the Lord but putting your hope in him while you wait. Maybe something great has happened in your life. Maybe you're having, maybe it's not a season of celebration, but it's at least a moment of celebration. In that case, you ought to crave Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? That's what you ought to crave. The beautiful thing about Scripture is that it truly does speak to all the situations and all the seasons of life. For us to spend time growing, we have to learn to develop a craving for growth. Now, once you have a craving, then you can start to spend time really becoming more like Christ. That's where the next step comes in. We have to now make room for growth. 
Some of us live and die by our calendars. And it, if it doesn't get on the calendar, it doesn't happen. And so you may need to literally get your calendar out and write down at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock at night, spend time with the Lord. If that's what it takes then that's what you, to, to make room for him, then that's what you need to do. When my family is watching a movie and I come into the room and Abby's sitting on the couch, maybe lying on the couch, she will get up and make room for me to sit next to her. And in a sense, she is making room for growth. Now you may think, okay, how much are you really growing watching a movie together? If your love language is quality time, you might be growing more than you think. See, we have to learn how to make room for growth and spend quality time with the Lord. James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Truth is, we always make room for what's important, don't we? If it's important to us, we're going to make room for it. We're going to make time for it so that we can do that. Is growing in Christ something you're making room for? The average American spends four hours every day on their phone. (laughs) We got a little bit of margin, I think. We got some time there where we could probably spend some of that working towards our relationship with God and allowing us to grow. But in order for that to happen, it has to become a priority. That's it. If it's not a priority, you're not going to do it. It's not a priority, it doesn't get on the calendar. And the Bible is full of passages about where our priorities ought to be. Probably the most famous is Matthew 6, 33. It's very well known. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. It's pretty clear right there where our priorities should land. If I seek the kingdom first, I'll have no problem making room for growth. There's a book back in the Old Testament that is actually all about priorities, It's written by a man who got his priorities wrong when he was young. He didn't spend his life well. He he didn't have his priorities on God. And he writes this book to help those who are younger than him or those who are uh, just struggling with their priorities to get their priorities right and put them where they should be. That man was Solomon, and that book was Ecclesiastes. Now, maybe you've never read the book, maybe you have, but if you have, you know it's, it's full of warnings about where we should place our priorities. And in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 1, this is the NIV, he encourages his younger audience to remember the Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. He's trying to get across the idea that you need to make God a priority right now doesn't matter what age you are. Make him a priority now because Solomon is saying, I've done it the wrong way. I've lived where the priorities of life took over and not the priorities of God. And he says, you don't want to be like me and get to the end of your life and realize, I wasted it. And he finishes the book by saying in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, again, this is the NIV, he says, now all has been heard Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. See, if you want to make room for growth, then you need to make sure that your priorities get straightened out now.
whatever age you may be. Solomon waited until he was very old. And he writes Ecclesiastes as a way to demonstrate really his regret in living life that way. However you go about making room for growth, be sure that you spend time on the things of God so that you can flourish for the kingdom of God. So we talked about making room, how we can make room for growth, but God also makes room for growth in us, and that means you need to allow pruning to increase your growth. Now, those of you who are into botany, those of you who maybe grew up on a farm um, or perhaps around a farm, maybe you uh, did some gardening, you have a garden today, you know that pruning is part of the growing process. It doesn't matter if you're talking about tomato plants or rose bushes or, or, or an oak tree, they all need to be pruned in order to grow well and to be healthy. Dead limbs have to be pruned, but so do just healthy branches and healthy shoots. They need to be pruned to allow the plant to grow and mature. My mother has this large oak tree in her front yard, and about, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago or so, it was not looking good. The branches were kind of dying inside of it. It was starting to get over onto the roof, and so she decided to have it trimmed. She had another tree taken down as well, and when they trimmed it, they, were, they aggressively trimmed this tree. I honestly thought, this thing's dead. I mean, it just looked terrible. It was... There's no way, it looked like a toddler had gotten loose with a bucket truck and a chainsaw. That, that's what it looked like to me. And, and it didn't look any better for two or three years. And I thought, this thing's going to die? And just this couple of weeks ago when we were there, I mentioned to Abby, that tree looks pretty healthy now because <laughs> it had been pruned. See, pruning not only helps in the plant world, it's going to help you in the spiritual world, too. But I'll be honest, pruning is, is hard. It's not easy. Jesus talked about it. He uses the same analogy in John 15. He says in John 15, verse 1 through 4, I'm the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Jesus is going to go on to talk about how if you remain in him and you allow him to prune you, he's going to produce more and more fruit, but you have to be willing to accept the pruning, and it is hard. Spiritual pruning is one of the hardest things to both give to someone and receive. And oftentimes it comes with tears. It comes with really hard conversations. It's uncomfortable. And not everybody accepts it well. Some people will start to blast you and blast the church. You need to have as much relational capital as possible to start that process. But it's healthy and it will help you grow. In Mark Moore's book, Master Leader, he suggests a great exercise to allow yourself to be pruned by others. He encourages leaders to write down these three questions. And we'll put them on the screen in case you want to write them down. First question, what do I do that makes your life or job easier or harder? Question two, what are my potential blind spots? And question three, what practices 
would you suggest I work on to make me more effective at my job? And Mark says, here's what you ought to do is take those three questions and you're going to give them to three different people to answer those questions for you. So you give one question to someone higher than you, a boss, a more mature Christian, and you allow them to answer those three questions. You give the next set of questions to someone who is your peer, someone at your same level, coworker. And then the last set of questions, give them to someone who, who you oversee, someone who is below you in, in, in where you work, where you're employed. I've performed this exercise. And I can tell you, it's a little painful. The pruning cuts a little. But the honest feedback allowed me to grow and allowed those around me to grow. Next week, we're going to discuss our talents. And God has not given anyone the spiritual gift of criticism, okay? <laughs> Contrary to what some people may think or the way some people may act, criticism is not a spiritual gift. But healthy, good Mature criticism can produce some good growth. And we all need to allow ourselves to be pruned spiritually from time to time. Not only do we need to allow the Lord to prune us, but sometimes the Lord's people need to prune us as well. And this leads us to our final point and how we spend our time in connection with spiritual growth. You need to be willing to also help someone else's growth. They say that the best way to retain information is to teach it. And when you choose to spend your time helping someone else grow, you'll find yourself growing as well. I love how Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3 puts it. It says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Now, that, that's the NLT version, okay? That's, that's what I use to preach from most of the time. That's the NLT version. But the Greek really does try and push this point that you are never so important that you can't help someone else, that you can't help someone else grow by coming alongside them and either bearing the burden with them or at least teaching them how to bear the burden in a very basic sense, and, I, and this is basic, but... What counselors do is, is just that. They help you, they come alongside you, and they teach you the skills that you need to deal with whatever situation you're in. Sometimes we need professional counseling, and sometimes just the counsel of a friend or a mentor is enough, but either way, we have to spend at least a portion of our time helping someone else grow if we have the skills and if we have the opportunity to do so. There's a whole section in Romans where this idea of helping someone grow is addressed. It's Romans 14 and 15. You can go home, read those two chapters. We don't have time to look at it all. But in Romans 15, verses 1 through 3, it says this, We who are strong must be considered of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. And the greater context of that passage is just about those who are maybe a little less mature, people who don't completely understand what Christ has done, and there's some food stuff in there, but how we would relate that is just simply those who are maybe a little bit more immature in their faith, we have to help them because we don't want them to stumble based on what we feel we can do. 
And so we might change our life a little bit to make sure that they don't fall. And that is truly helping someone grow. He goes on to say in Romans 15, verses five through six, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other. Right? That's the idea. That's why we help each other grow, so that we can have harmony with each other. As is fitting for followers of Christ, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we spend time helping each other grow, we build more and more harmony in the church. I'm indebted to the men and the women who have helped me grow over the years. They took a portion of their time, which is precious, it is fleeting, it is, it is finite, you only get so much of it, and they spent a portion of their time pouring into me so that I might grow. While we were back in Oklahoma uh, two weeks ago, I went out to lunch with a couple named Steve and Cindy Boyles. Steve and Cindy were volunteers in the youth group when I was a student in the youth group. And then when I became a young youth minister, they were my volunteers. They came alongside me. They helped me grow. We met monthly just to help, help me assimilate into youth ministry. And I'm indebted to them for that. They've known me for 30 plus years. They've known me almost my entire life. And so every time we go back to Oklahoma, I always try to at least go out to lunch and spend some time with Steve if Cindy can come, she comes. And I do that because I know that I'm gonna grow a little bit. And I hope now that I've matured that I'm helping them grow a little bit too. I hope. Time is an important thing that God has given us. We need to use it wisely and we need to use it to help both ourselves and others grow. We gotta crave this growth. Crave the word. Crave the relationship you have with the Lord. But not only crave it, but make room for it. Make space so that, so that God can come in, so the word can be read. Make it something you do all the time. And then you need to make sure that you allow some pruning to happen so that growth can increase. And then also spend some time helping others grow too. If you spend time on the things of God, if you spend time growing in the Lord, you're going to flourish. And so will this church. But you have to make it a priority. And you've got a perfect opportunity. We've got all this stuff happening, kicking off here in the fall. Join a class, join a small group, check out those classes, make time for growth. I want to close with a very well-known passage that speaks about time. It's back in Ecclesiastes again. You may have heard it before. Sometimes this is read at funerals, and, and that makes sense. I've done that. But it's something I think we all need to hear. This is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 13. This is the NIV version. He says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, Time to kill and a time to heal. Time to tear down and a time to build. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A, a time to keep and a time to throw away. 
a time to tear, or excuse me, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil, Solomon says? I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot even fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil or satisfaction in all his work. This is the gift of God. Time is a gift. It is a gift from a good God. How are you using it? Because you don't want to be Solomon. You don't want to have to write a book of Ecclesiastes when you get later on in life. You want to be able to say now that you did not waste your life. Because guys, in the end, the only thing that lasts for eternity is the relationships that you have and the people you introduce to Christ. That's it. You don't take anything with you. All the stuff that we want, all the materialistic things that we're after that we spend our time trying to get is gone. It could be gone tomorrow. But if you spend your time on the things of God, you are going to flourish in the kingdom of God. Do you want to flourish? One guy. Do you want to flourish? <laughs> Amen. Then let's flourish. Father, we come before you. Help us redeem our time. I waste it, Lord, sometimes whether it's on my phone or it's on just things that in the end don't matter. In the end, they could wait until a conversation is had, a pruning takes place, a word is read, something that would help me grow could take place way before that other stuff. Lord, you've given us this great gift. We don't know how much time we have, but we want to take advantage of every second. So would you help us? Would you help us to redeem our time, to manage our time better? And would you give us the opportunities to truly experience you? We love experiencing vacations and experiencing time with, with friends, and, and, and those are wonderful. We want to experience you. We want to experience your presence and your spirit in our life truly moving to, to help us grow, to change us, and to change this community. We know that starts with that, that time. So would you help us, Lord, to do that? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.